You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Sturchio show right here on the Premier Podcast Network. I am your host. Guess what? Dave Sturchio. How many times can you say your name in three seconds? Probably three times. I hope everybody's doing well out there. I hope everybody is uh, safe and uh, feeling good. I, for one, am under the weather. Uh, sucks. Uh, it affects my voice. It affects everything. I'm not even doing any camera work for this one. Uh, usually I post like clips on social media and all that stuff, but I, I just can't even bring myself to do it. Not this week. Um, but anyway, uh, this this podcast this week, obviously week one, we touched on the entire journey of getting to where I'm at. Last week, we talked about my life with pro wrestling. This week, I would like to break it all down as to why I love the teams that I love right now. Um, because a lot of people have been giving me crap for it my entire life. Uh, look, in, in New Jersey, you have the local teams, right? The, the major four. And I'm not about to talk about soccer because I don't know anything about soccer outside of like the World Cup days. Um, FIFA, I played the, the video game, right? I, I played the video game. That's a great game. Um, but um, so when you're in New Jersey, you either become a, uh, if you're looking at football, you're a Giants or a Jets fan. If you're a baseball, you're a Mets or a, a Yankees fan. If you're a hockey fan, you're a Rangers or a Devils fan or an Islanders fan. And of course, if you're in basketball, you're a, at the time when I was a kid, New Jersey Nets or New York Knicks fan. Now, I will preface this with I love all the New York teams outside of football. Uh, everybody knows that I am a diehard. If you know me uh, for who I am and if you know me long enough, you know that I'm one of the biggest Dallas Cowboy fans out there. Um, I was raised this way. I was not giving a choice in the matter. I was uh, kind of placed into a in front of the TV and said, hey, this is this is what you're going to watch and this is what you're going to learn and, and these are the, the guys you're going to follow. And my earliest memories are probably – um, I was born in 85, so probably around like 92, 93, uh, clearly like maybe even late 91 when I was six, seven years old, um, you know, just right on the cusp of greatness. And then obviously 92, 93, 95, my childhood is amazing. The Dallas Cowboys win Super Bowls, dynasties built, all those guys. And look, a lot of people can say, like, ah, oh, you jumped on the bandwagon, but I really, there was no bandwagon to jump on because the Cowboys haven't won since the 70s. So there was just, that's where I was placed. And I was born in 85. So my dad went through a lot of tough times as a Cowboys fan after the Super Bowls, right? 70s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. You know, they were junk in 1989. They went one in 15 with Troy Aikman's rookie year. It was brutal. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it started. Um, and I guess I'll just kind of make this more or less the, the Dallas Cowboys show because obviously I'm a, I'm a, not, a New York Yankees fan, New York Rangers fan, and a New York Knicks fan. Um, I've got to experience a lot of cool stuff with those teams, uh, again, early on in my life. The 94 Cup for the Rangers, the 94 Finals for the Knicks, the 96, 98, 99, 2000 World Series for the Yankees. So my, my childhood was just full of rings, right? And then since 2000, only one of my teams have ever won a championship, and that was 23 years ago, and the New York Yankees won it in 2009. So that's the last time I've seen any kind of celebration and was able to embrace any kind of celebration. It's been a long time. It's been, you know, again, like over 10 years, another decade of just kind of 
watching my teams. Why do you do this? Why do you do this to yourself? Um, but I believe in sticking with one team your entire life. The only exception to the rule that I will say, coming from me, uh, an avid sports fan, is that if your team leaves town and relocates, then it's fair game. You know, if you're or I can't even say that because if the Dallas Cowboys moved to fucking Oregon, you know, I'd be like, all right, I'm an Oregon Cowboys fan. So I guess, I don't know, I guess there is no exception to the rule. So anybody who ever just jumped on a team midway through their life because their team just sucks so much or they've pissed them off so much, I can't stand that. I can't stand when people are like, oh, man, they've been losing too much and I just, I can't do it anymore and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going behind the Chiefs now or I'm going to go, I love the Braves or the Dodgers or what, you know, it's like, you know, these hoes ain't loyal, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand how you can just fall in love with a team and then just get mad at the fact that they haven't won a title. Like, you don't think it's been hard for me growing up as a Dallas Cowboy fan after after 95? I was 10, right? And, like, and, and it's great because I do remember those moments. I do remember 92. I've watched that 92 Super Bowl more times than I'm embarrassed to even tell you how many times I've watched it. But, like, those are the players that I latched onto. Like, old school heads that are listening to this podcast right now will remember that the first guy that I liked that wore a, a bandana wasn't Dion. It was James Washington, their cornerback, right? So, like, that, those guys I loved. And my father would instill these, these uh, hard-nosed players. He was a big fan of Bill Bates, who was a special teams uh, slash safety, right? And his favorite players were Bob Lilly, Randy White, those guys that he grew up with, which now I – I treasure some of their memorabilia, like because I'm like that was my, my dad's favorite player. So why would I, why would I want to get rid of it, right? I just recently bought him a, a Bob Lilly signed helmet, because um, my business partner Chris is into the mem game, right, and, and the card collecting and all that stuff. So I, I, I got a, a Randy White signed uh, helmet. I got a Tony Dorsett signed helmet. You know these guys, I've never seen a down of their play ever, right? So but it didn't matter because I just love the history of these teams, um, and specifically 92, 93, 95. I was, again, I was able to really enjoy um, some Super Bowl victor uh, victories. And in 95, I can remember specifically watching this game with my dad in his apartment up in West Caldwell. And uh, I remember just getting very, very upset when Bill Cower called for the onside kick and they recovered it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I know we won it in 92, 93, and I got to just march around my elementary school, RIP School 14, as they are about to fucking rip that down um in Fords um but uh, I was able to walk around strutting around like McGregor because I was just like my team is the best and then they're the, you know the domination and then so to to see them almost lose the lead in 95 was was brutal for me I remember crying just crying right and I really wish that just one more I I just want one more and I told I've been telling myself this because as you grow up you know, in, in, in middle school, and, and you're getting picked on now because the Cowboys just are not a relevant football team. And, you know, I, early 2000s, there were three 5-11 and 11 seasons in a row, and it was just like the Dave Campo days and the fucking chat. Uh, just, oh, God, it was just brutal. No quarterback. After Aikman left, and I was a big, big Troy guy, uh, after Aikman left, it was just slim pickings, right? It was like, who the hell is it? Who, who's next? I mean, they went through Ryan Leaf and Vinny Testaverde and fucking – Oh, my God. Like, the quarterbacks that they tried to run with, Anthony Wright, Quincy Carter, who, coincidentally, I met 
uh, in the Bahamas, and I think I was the only one to recognize him because I was such a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. He even had a look on his face like, fuck, how does this kid know me? Um, so Quincy Carter days, and, and he was okay, right? He was serviceable. He got him back to somewhat relevancy, won some big games. Uh, but the quarterback situation for the Cowboys was just brutal until, you know, they get Drew Bledsoe, and I'm just like, all right, well, the guy's won, so let's see if he's not a freaking statue. And, and then all of a sudden, you start hearing rumblings about this guy, Tony Romo, and all of a sudden, he goes from third string to second string to Bledsoe being benched against the Giants. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. I used to go out, and I frequent uh, this bar, again, gone now, Fox and Hound over in Edison, New Jersey. Um I remember Romo getting put in there, and I was like, all right, kid, like, let's see what you got. And clearly I'm not in any frame of mind to talk shit because I was probably hammered at the time. But I uh, I watched them throw an interception quick, and I'm like, man, this is just – it's going to be another – like, I, I don't even know what. But then, like, you just you, – you see him start slinging the rock around, and you're like, all right, you know what? Maybe this guy's got something. Uh, he gets his first start the following week. I believe it was Sunday Night Football against the Carolina Panthers, and he does well, and he wins the game. And I'm just like, all right, let's let's see what we got here. And lo and behold, Romo mania just runs wild on Dallas, and you could sense it. You could sense that there's uh, a little bit of more of a pep in the step of that team, of, of, of the Romo teams, really. And then that faithful day comes where they get to the playoffs. Bill Parcells is the coach. He's my favorite coach that I've ever seen. Obviously, I've seen Jimmy Johnson on the tail end. I've seen Barry Switzer. If you're a follower of mine, you've seen that I predicted that he would do really well back in 94, uh, in which they you know, lost in the, uh, what was it, the title game. And then, obviously, the next year they won the Super Bowl in 95. But uh, my favorite coach to ever ha- coach the Cowboys, and it was short-lived, was Bill Parcells. Um, Mike McCarthy is growing on me, by the way. I don't know that that's going to sound crazy to a lot of these Mike McCarthy, you know, haters out there. But he's starting to grow on me because he reminds me of Bill Parcells, very old school, right? Uh, so Parcells is the coach. Romo's the quarterback. They get to this wild card game against the Seattle Seahawks and then the the faithful day where Romo drops the snap. Now, this is 2006, I want to say. And I'm sorry about the years because I'm just – I'm in my brain's in a fog this week. But um, – Drops the snap. The rest is history. You know, it's funny because when he did that and he picked the ball up, I remember saying to myself, like, he's going to pick the ball up and score. He had a lane to score. If you're a Cowboys fan, you know this. You're watching it. You're like, oh, my God. Like, he's going to score a touchdown here. and It's not going to matter. And lo and behold, you know, he gets caught up. I think it was Babineau. Yeah, that's how terrible this memory is riched in my brain. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that game was brutal. My buddy Dom was over. Um, uh, you know, rumor has it. we I may have punched the plasma. I don't know. <laughs> but I know that was the closest thing to success that I've felt since 95 as an adult. Uh, and then, look, the next year, you know, you add a weapon. His, his name is Terrell Owens. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, you, they got this – Running back by committee. They got Jason Witten coming into his own. They got Terrell Owens now. Maybe this is something. And if Romo can just mature a little bit, they got a great offensive line. Their defense at the time was, you know, suspect but still manageable. The next year, they light the world on fire. They really did. They were running through teams. And it was a fun journey to see the 2007 Dallas Cowboys really kick the shit out of a lot of football teams until 
They lock down that bye. Here comes the story. You know, Romo and Witten go to Cabo with the, the Jessica Simpson and somebody else. I guess Witten's girlfriend or wife at the time. I don't know. But you know the story there. They go to Cabo. They come back the following week to play the New York Giants, who were the sixth seed, who just so happened I was employed there at the time. And uh, I watched I watched them throw that game away, too. And it was brutal. R.W. McCorders, I believe, was the guy who picked the ball off in the end zone at the end. Patrick Creighton, I still don't forgive him. He had dropped a ball. It was right over the middle. It just could have been a house call. That game was brutal. Um, so that was another heartbreak, like, right after that. Pretty sure the following year, Romo gets hurt. You know, like, so the whole Romo era that I had in my life was a lot of yards, a lot of stats, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of big comeback, fourth quarter comebacks, a lot of that stuff. But the success didn't come until they won a playoff game. I believe they beat the Eagles uh, to win that first playoff game in, shit, a decade, right? So it felt great to get that monkey off the back, watch Romo do his thing there. Um, But then I think the following week they just got the tar beat off them by Brett Favre on the Vikings. You know, so it's like Jared Allen was just a menace. You know, you, you sports fans out there know and understand how how brutal that loss was. And then it just seemed like it was never going to happen. And then 2014 comes around. They got a young receiver. His name is Des Bryant. Romo's in his, his prime, you would think, like six, seven years in the league as a starter. Like, he's really wheeling and dealing. The Cowboys are staying somewhat relevant unless he got hurt because they never – address the backup quarterback position ever. I was watching guys like John Kitna and fucking Kyle Orton try to lead this team to victory, then Brandon Whedon, and it was brutal. Um, But, yeah, so that happens. 2014 happens. They go to Lambeau, and I'm like, they can win this game. I know they can win this game. And, unfortunately, we all know what happens in 2014. Catch no catch with Des Bryant. That's the end of that. And you just felt that it was going to be tough sledding uh, going forward. 2015, if I'm not mistaken, Romo got hurt again. Backup quarterback situation was shit. That's why in 2016 they had such an early draft pick in which they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, one of my new favorite Cowboys. When they they drafted him, I said, this kid's going to be great. Now, a lot of people can go back and say, well, Jalen Ramsey was on the board. Well, you know, you could have went with this. And, well, you know. And I I was like, dude, this kid's electric. I watched him at Ohio State. This guy was unreal, right? And in the fourth round, they come back around. It's like barely any coverage now nationally, just like things on the scroll. But if you're watching Dallas Cowboys media, you see that, you know, they announced that in the fourth round, they select quarterback Dak Prescott out of Mississippi State. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't know anything about this guy. A college head would say, yeah, he was good. He beat these guys, and he did this, and he Mississippi State was relevant, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, great. I, I still don't know much about him. So I'm just like, all right, well, he, you know, he's going to be third string, if anything, right? 2016, Romo's back. He's healthy. You got um, Ka- uh, Kellen Moore, the lefty, as the backup quarterback. And then if Dak makes the team as a fourth-round pick, great. Sitting in my apartment watching that game, the Seattle Seahawks again, preseason, they take out Romo. Now, you could say, like, why the hell was he in the game? I don't know. 
but the starters get these reps, right? And then ever since then, I don't think Dak Prescott's seen a preseason snap, you know? Uh, but Dak Prescott was put in there because Kellen Moore had broke his foot in training camp. So all of a sudden, Dak was QB2. Romo goes down with a back injury. And all of a sudden, Dak Prescott's your quarterback out of nowhere. What's going to happen? You got two kids now at the helm. You got Dak as your quarterback and Zeke as your running back. And let me tell you something. That was some of the most fun football that I've ever watched as a Cowboys fan. Those kids were lighting the world on fire. It was a lot of fun to watch them play. Um, they just, it was great. It was great, man. And I, and I can't. I can't think of a time I was more excited to be a Dallas Cowboys fan than 2016 outside of some of the good Romo days and obviously when I was a kid. So then, you know, they cruise. They beat the Packers in Lambeau during the regular season. They did a lot of cool things in that regular season to ensure them another bye. And here comes Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers has been the thorn, and he was again. Cowboys last second drive for the for the Packers. Boop. I believe it was Jared Cook, if I'm not mistaken, making the catch. Mason Crosby puts it through the uprights. The 2016's up in smoke. But now you're like, okay, got a little bit of a foundation here. Let's start to build. 2017 comes, Zeke gets suspended for six games. Now the, the suspension didn't hit until later in the season, which I was just, you know, adamant that it was never gonna happen. And it happened. Terrible timing. Dak without Zeke, without a running game. It was struggle bus. He gets sacked like 48 times against the Falcons. <laughs> it was rough. And, um, yeah, so I watched the Cowboys' 2017 season go up in smoke. 2018, right? Like, it's just like this constant cycle. How do you do it, Dave? How do you mentally prepare yourself for this just this catastrophic bombshell of a loss that's going to happen? 2018, they go on a run. They get to the playoffs. And then, lo and behold, Dak Prescott's faced one-on-one -on -one with his first playoff game against, oh, I'm sorry, second playoff game because he just lost to Green Bay a couple years back, um, against the, uh, the what, shit, was it the Seahawks again? I think it was. It was Ross and the Seahawks. Yeah, well, fuck, fuck the Seahawks, man. I really fucking hate this team. But he gets over that hump. They win that game. He was lights out, running, throwing, everything you can ask for out of a quarterback, he does it. Um. They get to the next week where they got to travel to L.A. And they get run over by a bowling ball. Mike Anderson? Probably wrong with that. But doesn't matter. Run defense wasn't exist. It didn't exist. 2018 season up in smoke. 19. 20. 20 was the roughest one for me. And 20 was the roughest one for America as a country, right? You get the pandemic. But football was to last. Football was going to happen. Football was going to proceed. And and I when I called that from Jump Street, I said, you're not canceling the NFL. Good luck. You know, they own a day of the week, right? More than one day a week at this point. Um, so I uh, 2020 comes. Now, keep in mind, if you know who I am, 2000, I think it was 2014 was a bad year for me personally. 2018 was a bad year personally for me mentally. So here I am like rounds of therapy in and now I'm back in therapy in 2020 because I just, you know, I need to talk to somebody. And I witnessed Dak Prescott break his leg or break his ankle against the Giants. And I saw the tears in this man's eyes and I'm like, that is not fucking fair. You know, it is not fair 
for this guy for the first couple weeks to be lighting the world on fire again and then for his season to go up in smoke. It was brutal for me. And I know it was worse for him. But, like, for me, mentally, I was like, that was our shot. That was our shot to get back to the championship. And and I know it's it's anybody who says it's just a sport or it's just a game or it's just this or it's just – you just don't have the mental capacity that I have for my passion for sports. And I think that that sheds that shows a lot of character – um, and it shows that you do have a deep-rooted passion for something outside of, like, your in, your immediate family, right? You love your friends, you love your husbands, you love your wives, you love your kids, right? All that stuff that comes with family as a whole. But I can honestly say I love the Dallas Cowboys and the sport of football. Like, it's a, it's a fraction under the other things in my life that you're supposed to unconditionally love. The Dallas Cowboys' relationship with me has been one that you can't break. We break up once a year, right? At the end of the season, we break up. And guess what? We're getting back together in like a month because here comes the draft. Here comes the combine. Here comes the free agency. Here comes all that shit. The passion I have for this team, it doesn't, it, it, it's, uh, I'll put it up against anybody. And I know that there's, uh, there's content creators out there that are more in depth and they're more film study and they're more, you know, they break down a million things and kudos to those guys because they got the time to do all that stuff. And that's what they're making their, hopefully they're making their career off of and all that. I would love nothing more than to talk Cowboys 24, seven, 365. And sometimes I do right. Just nonchalantly here. I'm talking to Chris or I'm talking to my dad or I'm talking to whoever, right? Like I just do. Um, but my passion for this team, it goes so far beyond anything else in my life outside of my family. It's crazy. It's crazy. And that's why I keep coming back. That's why I keep coming back. It's, it's insane to me. It's the definition of insanity. Being a Dallas Cowboys fan is doing the same thing over and over again every year of your existence until it pays off. Will this pay off? You know, 21 season comes, 22 season comes, all this stuff. We've seen it. I've seen some of the some of my greatest Moments of my life are watching my team with my dad and my brother and my family. These are like people don't quite understand the the joy it brings me. I don't miss Sunday football with my dad. Not for nothing. For zero. And it wasn't always like that. There was times I was at the bars and I was hanging out and something clicked in me where... A, I was just too angry around other people. Not angry, like I'm going to fuck. Well, maybe I would fight. I did get into some bar fights over my time. But to the point where I, I just know that nothing is guaranteed in life. Nothing. And when I have the ability and opportunity to spend it with my father and my brother, that I know that it's an opportunity that I'm not willing to waste. So when football season comes around, as up and down and left and right and just complete chaos at my dad's house on a Sunday, specifically during the Cowboys games, it's can't miss. Nothing. I, I schedule things around football. I scheduled a, a, tr- a vacation coming up this year around the schedule release so I wouldn't miss a game. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not. I know this is getting like deep, but I'm, this is what I'm telling you right now, that if you can find something that you're so passionate about that you can share with your family, 
the ones you love the most. Like that, 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 it doesn't get any better than that, man. It really doesn't. And, and the highs and the lows and the group hugs and the, you know, and the the pats on the back and get home safe. I love yous and like these drives home. When the Cowboys lose a football game and I'm at my dad's and I take it to the heart and it hurts, I drive home in silence. Silence. I don't talk to nobody. I drive home by myself. Nobody's talking to me. When they win, I'm fucking blasting music. I'm having a good time. I'm I'm just that's my ride. I'm talking to my guys, Brett, Keith, all these guys, you know, my cowboy fan friends, right? But that will never be taken away from me by choice. I know my dad's not going to be around forever. I know my brother and I relationship as tight as we are now, who knows? Maybe maybe somebody moves something, right? So that's why I want crave and desire one more moment of of feeling like immortality as a fan. I will be intolerable on social media. I will. And I, I, I deserve it. I've earned it. Same things with like Jets fans and guys that have been waiting forever for something. You are allowed to puff your chest out for as long as the rest of your days if you get one. And that's where the Eagles fans are coming in. Like, they're, yeah, they're, they're all scum to me. I don't like any of them, right? I mean, I dated one for years, and it was just brutal, right? Like, not brutal. Like, she was great. But, like, it just wasn't a good time during the football games. Um, but what I will say is that once you win that one, which the Eagles just did a couple years back, and their fans rejoiced, right, I just want one more. That's it. I, I don't ask for much. I, I, you know, I have a wonderful life right now. I really do. And I can't ask for much more, right? Do I want more success out of this business? Sure, right? Do I want to be the voice of certain things? Absolutely. Do I want to just succeed in every walk of life? Yes. But, but right there, like next to it, parallel, I want this fucking team to win a Super Bowl. Oh, my God. I just... I can't even imagine the feeling. I can't imagine it. I don't even know. I don't even know the feeling of playing for the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. They haven't been to a title game, an NFC title game since '96. It's just been a long, tough road, man. But again, if you're a Cowboys fan, you're listening to this right now. You know damn well what I'm feeling. If you're if you're like me, like minded, I think I think you know exactly how I'm feeling right now. And I know there's like a a, um, a stereotype of the Cowboys fans like, our year, every year, right? It's just that it's expectations over reality. The reality is there's teams that they've put out in the field that I'm like, there's no way they can win a championship. Mm-mm, right? The 2023 Dallas Cowboys coming in right now is honestly – best that I've felt in a very long time about a team and the staff and the personnel and everything that's going into this. And then more importantly, moreover, the landscape of the NFC. Like I'm looking at this team right now and I'm like, what team in the NFC can take down the Cowboys this year? I look at teams like the 49ers I look at teams like the Eagles, but outside of those teams, 
I don't, I don't know if there's anybody that can take them down if they're clicking on all cylinders and they stay healthy. Anybody's got a puncher's chance. We've seen it. We've seen some historic runs. Hell, the Eagles won their Super Bowl under Nick Foles. Okay? So you can't tell me Dak Prescott can't win a Super Bowl with this team. And I don't want to get everybody jazzed up or, or extra hyped. But I don't know why. And maybe it's just my blind love for this team. But boy, oh boy, do I feel good about this team this year. I don't know what it is. New coaching. When I say new coaching, I mean like, you know, Kellen Moore's no longer there. New offense. Defense got better. Added a wide receiver. You know, I loved Ezekiel Elliott, man. I did. I was on the mountaintop shouting for this guy to stay on this team. But I love Tony, uh, Tony Pollard. I love me some Tony Pollard. And, you you know, you, you draft a Deuce Vaughn, and you got yourself a nice little tandem there. If you, There's a lot of talent on this team, man. So we'll see. We'll see. I want to thank you guys for joining me once again on Episode 3 of the Dave Sturchio Show. We'll be back next week with, I think, maybe my first guest. We'll see. Working out some... Uh, some things we'll see. Uh, but uh, I really want to thank everybody who's been listening to this from the start. We have three episodes now in the can where uh, I'm getting some good feedback. I appreciate everybody watching and listening and whatever, however you're doing it. It goes, it doesn't go unnoticed. I love getting texts from my friends saying, yo, I'm listening or yo, great podcast or whatever. It's awesome because I don't really get to do a lot of this anymore because obviously I'm trying to build this business and it's, it's not easy by any stretch. Um, but yeah. That'll do it. So I'm sorry for the voice. Uh, I don't even know. Like, in my head, I sound different. I definitely know I sound different on the, on the air. But you guys have been extra super special, nice to me. And I can't thank you guys enough for listening. And we will see you guys next week.